Welcome to the Lebo Lion Show, the biggest marketing and business podcast on the African continent. This is a learning hub where we share marketing, social media, and monetization resources that entrepreneurs, professionals, and creatives need to build the lives and businesses of their dreams. We do this through masterclasses and conversations with experts and thought leaders in various industries. On this podcast, we believe that your mindset is the most powerful tool you have to succeed. Come on a journey with us. Let's explore the world of business, money, and mindset from a growth perspective. Are you ready to go? Because 2023 has started and it's about to become the best year of your life. My name is Lebo Lion, the voice of marketing, and I will be your host for the Lebo Lion Show. Let's go. Yeah. Yeah. Can I teach you one is being queer an African? Oh, yeah. And what is it to be African? I don't want to say too much before they can say it. Let me leave it to Yes, and I think this this one is for you, Anela. But I just, you know, I didn't grow up in a, excuse me, um, in a very traditional family. Yeah. Uh, Staunch Christians, you know. I know nothing about my um, culture or my African tradition. And I'm going to be honest. I'm not going to come here and be like, well, well, well. (laughs) This is the part where I look at you. And listen to what you have to say. Yeah. before we go to Anel, of course, you'll give us a your... better answer. For me, I think from an African point of view, the only thing that came to mind was the gender roles in being African, in daughter must, umama must, and growing up uh, as a black man, as an African man, uh, I am expected to do specific things. So the moment I prefer playing with dolls, I'll make an example. Yeah. Playing with dolls and not playing with cars, that's already something wrong. The moment men are sent out there into the crowd or sent into... Um, if you grew up in, in the villages, you are sent to go herd sheep and stuff. And you're like, no, actually, I'd rather be with the aunt and cook and chop. Something is wrong with I you. Hate so it. for me, it's oh, the gender God. role. So when we define being oh, African, it's the, it's the gender role that that come with being African, that a man is supposed to tick these boxes. And one of the boxes you need to tick is that when men are there going to fish, if you are a fisherman and men are there to go and herd sheep, you follow them, you go there and you carry it, your spear and you go and do that. They want to say, no, I mean, I am full local, I mean, I'm full no mama, something is wrong with you. So it's the gender roles for me. And I was very fortunate that I was raised by females. I was raised by my granny and my mother and so there wasn't so much of pressure in terms of gender roles but there were expectations that I'm supposed to like Power Rangers, I'm supposed to wear blue, <laughs> I'm supposed to like specific things but I liked soapies, I wanted to watch yes. you know, the bold and the beautiful. And, then, and that's why some but, but people you know, even argue with me to yeah. go back to my earlier thing that but if you like these things wasn't that a sign for you to be gay then I'm like no yeah. so it becomes a whole thing <laughs> what does it mean to be African uh, is an African man allowed to be soft? Is an African man allowed to like 
the finer things in life, yes or no? Yeah. It, it becomes a very deep conversation. <clears throat> and you know, b- before, sorry, Anneli, you go jump into that, I'm always going to play devil's advocate here because I know what people are thinking when they're watching this. And you said something, you said, um, I was raised by women. And I know people watching are already gonna go. That's why he's gay. <laughs> you know, already it's going. They're going. But to I must say, I must say, being raised say. by women made it more difficult for me to be gay because they, they, they wanted me to be their husbands they never had. Um, they wanted me to be the fathers they never had. So um, being raised by women actually made it more difficult. <laughs> but also, it was more difficult for me because I had no father to look up to. So, being raised by a woman doesn't make you a softer yeah. man, by the way. You're raising bombs here. I'm raising bombs, right? After bomb, yes. after bomb. But also, so don't think because I was raised by a woman, it makes me softer. Oh, they were soft. The only they were hard on me because, yeah, it's not that much. Because now they are taking out what they thought a man, a man is supposed to because they actually have no manual also. So, Ginny, and um, what, do you, what is the word? Patriarchy. Patriarchy and misogyny. No, so they had no manual on what a man is supposed to be, firstly. But also, uh, the mom, the, the, the man who left my mom, I'm supposed to be that man and do better than my dad. Mm. I must do better than my grandfather for my grandmother. So there's so many layers to this. So there's like layer upon layer of like the pressure on me. And then I'm like, no, no man, I don't want to be. It's a kind of worms. It's a yeah. kind of worms, yes. Mm. So even now, I'm a father to a five year old. Where is my manual on what being a father is? Last week, yes, thank you. And but last week, you know, my my son says to me, Daddy, where's your girlfriend? And I said to him, so he knows a friend of mine. I said to him, my girlfriend is this boy. He's like, no way is that. He can't be. So I already knew that my son, firstly, is not ready to have the gay conversation. Mm. Because people always say, no, no, no. Your son needs to know that you're gay. And I'm like, he will know at the right time. You will not decide how I raise my son firstly, but also you will not decide the age and say, no, he's old enough to know. Mm. I keep on testing the waters. If my son still believes I should have a girlfriend, if he still believes that the person next to me should be a female, I have the, the room to educate, but also the space to allow him to be a kid and not rush this upon him to say, no, 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 you know what, actually your dad is gay and your dad has a boyfriend. Mm. So it's, it's, it becomes a bit cheeky for me because I need to educate him, but also remember he's a five-year-old, he's a kid. He goes to school where kids are dropped off by mom and dad. That is his norm. And he lives with his mom and, his, and the grand, and I'm the dad. And, and in his books, like, I'm the dad and there's... Like, there can't be two dads, mm. you know? Eventually, he'll get it. And so it becomes cheeky in terms of when is the right age to actually tell him, you know, am I am I slowing the process? Am I rushing it? So, but there's a different dynamic. It's a different conversation for another day. So also being a gay dad is difficult. You said a lot there. There's a yeah. lot to unpack. But Anele, is being queer an African? Certainly, no. Um, and my answer is... Queerness or expressions of queerness in Africa have always been there. Yeah. And there's literature that backs Yeah. That. Now, the, the concern is in our queer existing knowledges, why do we have <coughs> a Zulu word called Umengi? It's called what? Umengi. Meaningly, it's two things, bulls coming together, Okay. Okay. Like okay. The sound, Umengi. Right. What is it used in context? Based, in context, yeah. is in two men coming together, nothing can come out of it. That's why it's called Okay. And also the idea around the stone, nothing can come out of 
a queer body. Uh, Those were names that were used to denote people who identified <clears throat> or who kind of showed expressions or attractions to other people of the same sex. So we've got we've got normal cussy words, emofi, istaban, and all of that to define what is non-normative within an African context. Yeah. So for me, it suggests that it's there. It's a reality that has always been there. The challenge around the concept of being queer or being gay is un-African stems from the normative ideas of heterosexuality. African, in the way of Africanism is described in the context of gender, what Linda spoke about in Powerhouse around gender binaries and all of that, it thrives on it. So it makes it look like if that's the norm, we only know a man and a female. It's an African thing that families within African context would be out of these normative groupings or kind of genders and all of that. Now for me, to say that being gay is an African experience, being queer is an African experience, there are people who are known as Lalini, that Uba Yeah, right? We had people would walk around and not say something. That's why, even in my family, there, I have an ancestor whom, out of interest, I am told that Unedlozi, that used to live the life that you are living, who was probably queer and never touched a woman in his life. Right? And it's part of my ancestral journey. And part, he was a warrior in the way of how he's described in my ancestral journey. So he's basically saying, man, it's not a coincidence that I'm gay because I have a literal ancestor that is gay. But the reality is, for me, I want to touch on the expressions of African spirituality and how this fits in. The bigger question we should be asking ourselves how can we participate in African rituals that can enrich our identity as queer people? The question I asked at one stage, I was doing a talk with um, TikTok creators. I asked them, what is our imagination of an African queer picture looking like? If, if I say I want to be queer in Africa, all we know in Africa at the moment are expressions of queerness it's a Western idea and construct of what it means to be a gay man. True. A Western idea of what it means to be a trans woman. Yeah. But is there really an African worldview and an African perspective that I can say this looks like it? And through using my social capital, I've tried to do that. Mm-hmm. To say, as a queer man, if you want to process or kind of start process of surrogacy, we can start negotiating the process of inkawulo. Yes, I may not be paying, because I didn't sleep with you, so I didn't damage you. Mm. But I'm doing the rightful thing to say, your ancestors and their ancestors have allowed this to happen. So nipa, the womb that is embodied through you, mm-hmm. that man I pay respect to that family. That's how we are participants of culture, on African spirituality. Secondly, if we say 
we're going to negotiate Lobola and African constructs. We are not doing it the way of how it's done, but it's, we're doing it as a way of showing respect to say, we are acknowledging this union and bringing it closer to Amadlozi, Aiti, and yours. Mm. So it, it, there's a lot of respectability in how we should be participants in terms of participating in culture. So for me, there's a greater space for us as queer people that we can still do in Kaulo, we can still do Ulobola, we can still do all these other rituals. I'm a, I can safely say I'm a traditional African man. When I am at home, my queer identity is not, is not questionable. But I participate because I am a, I'm still a man that participates in everything that's being done at home. How should I be excluded on the basis of my sexual orientation? So if we can hold space for our rituals, for our practices as queer people, we're doing it because we're human, not because of our sexual orientation. Hence for me, I say, being queer is is not an un-African thing. If we can be called by our ancestors, I'm sure, in my ancestors, it's the least thing that they expect me to be worried and bothered about. <laughs> I think, you know, as you're talking, um, I'm steadily thinking about, you know, how you you, men- you make mention of the fact that my, uh, like our representation of what it means to be queer is very Western, what it means to be trans is, is, is Western. And I think I speak a lot about it on my radio show as well to say um, there's been a deletion of our history yeah. as African black people and then as African queer people as well. So I can't go to a book, um, I can only find information about America Stonewall, but I can't find about Nigeria. And I see all those things pop up oh. on social media where people speak about how, you know, in their countries, um, queens were married to women and men were married to men and, you know, they had places where they were sitting. I don't want to touch on it too much because it's something I don't know. But however, it's the fact that we also need to work very hard in preserving the knowledge that is currently there um, and ensuring that the people that walk the journey after us are able to interpret it. Like what you're saying about in Tlaun, somebody that's going to, you know, have a school do surrogacy um, has to think adoption. about adoption has to think about those elements that you speak about you know and I'm learning a lot because I grew up in a family I, I've never we've never done anything traditionally I don't know anything traditionally you know and I feel like it's Same part here. of it's part of me that has been taken away maybe by the history of my lineage but at the same time when you chat about it we need to start Penning down as well. Yeah, and that's why I, I, for now I'm using social media to say, oh, actually that guy is gay and he's busy with cows, he's busy with Samo. Mm. Um, I do everything literally as a gay person at home. So ideally, our ancestors themselves are not bothered by yeah. us being queer, yeah. but they are bothered by can you take this responsibility that we're giving you to be a healer? I come from a strong tradition of healers and they are concerned less about me being queer, but concerned more about the impact I have in society. Yes, yes. I, I really love what everyone has been sharing on the panel. And it's actually got me thinking about, for me personally, 
I grew up in a very traditional, you know, my parents are all about the Venda culture, I knew everything, I know it, you know? Mm. And there was always this low-key threat of, if you don't do what we say is Africanness in this way, you will be excluded from the tribe. You know, and I feel like that also happens to the queer community where it's like, if you dare be queer, we're going to exclude you mm-hmm. from African because you're not That's African. Right. You know, you can't be because here are the rules and you're not yeah. following them. Yeah. You know, and there's a real threat to that. And I think that's also why so many people suppress it for so long. It's mm. like, but I want to be African. I'm, I'm African. There's literally, I can't change being African. Everywhere I go in the world, people will think I'm an African person. So I need to hold on to this culture for as long as I can. Anyway. Um, before we rolled the cameras, we actually had a really cool conversation about dating in the queer community. At <laughs> 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 oh, Lord have mercy. Lindani um, was married. <laughs> Lindani was married, we know this. But, you know, we were, we were talking about the realities of dating. African culture is very exclusionary, I feel. It is. I've experienced it in different ways. Yeah, and mm. the last the point that you made, um, that people are like, ah, but I'm gay, I don't, I won't be allowed. And mm. this whole thing of gender things, I don't, I'm very clear. <laughs> I'm and all of it, not yeah. because I'm gay. But I, I just demand, don't like it. Ekai is what we call like the person that gets appointed. I am that person at home. All I do is to take umkondo and say this. And it will be, it's, it's gonna respond. And that's my my role is done. And I go to him somewhere, I go to the crowd, not because I'm gay, mm-hmm. but because it's it's a role that has been assigned because I'm considered to be a wisdom bearer in the family, not because I'm gay. Yes. But obviously certain people are like, ah, I got them fast, I got them right. No. This is a responsibility. This person has been chosen. Mm-hmm. We've confirmed. We see it. Yes. So how do we say Aranam Faz? Now, it adds capital to have a consistent relationship with Georgia. That he has also become part of these rituals. Mm. That on certain parts where they would say, Mizukoska as well. No, Chucho comes in mm-hmm. as my partner to witness. Yes. yes. He doesn't say anything again. Politics of him being Zimbabwean is a different thing. Yeah. Mm. But he is fully active involved. We had to go and introduce him to Msama as a member because Jojo is a dreamer. He tells me other dreams and I'm able to, oh, okay, probably Gogo wanted to communicate something I would not have seen it. Deep. And on that note, uh, before we started rolling cameras, we were actually talking about dating in the queer community and there were so many i don't even want to say interesting because i feel like that undermines (laughs) the spiciness of what we were talking about but let's talk about very very spicy let's talk about um the pretty boys is that what you call them he said champagne boys earlier champagne boys what is that and i know i'm gonna be beaten for this that's my type so as you speak about them that's my type so you know (laughs) your type uh-huh. <laughs> right. I mean, for me, I'll speak from my personal experience. Um, I, I did a pretty boy, which we happen now. Literally, you can say we married. Mm-hmm. But my, exp- we just need to do the formalities. I'm here for it. I live in Jersey, guys. We've been, been together, together for a long time. Years. No, I'm, I'm, I'm teasing. I'm saying I'm not dressing for the wedding. It's me getting a tender. <laughs> we lived um, 
been living together for six years mm-hmm. in one space, and our journey is quite interesting. We we met on on Facebook during the time of Messenger, mm-hmm. and at that time, like, ah, it was just a snack. And one of those boys, like, I don't trust this one, but I just want to buy it. Mm. And first, long story short, um, by the time I met him, I was very broke. And the construct of what I imagined him to be and what I saw him, the kind of hippie, um, powerhouse knows him. And I'm like, no, this one will help me so much. Mm. But I still gave it a try. I didn't know why, but I gave it a try. But our journey of our relationship has different trajectories that have showed me that queer black love in the context of two gay men does exist. I can safely say now, it's solid. And we've gone through every trajectory of what any other typical relationship would go through, not because it's a gay relationship, but because it's like any other relationship. Obviously, certain nuances and all of that. But quite interestingly, Dating a pretty boy from Joburg and I, being a classic boy, rural boy, was a very difficult struggle for me. Yeah. My partner holds so much of social capital and understanding the dynamics of how this gay world works. Mm-hmm. Whereas I'm from the township, for me, we're like, ah, I'm fine, and that's it. Kanti, I got myself into trouble that I needed to do a lot of unlearning and learning a lot of realities. Yeah. I didn't know about the grooving life in the gay community. Okay. I didn't know about the politics of money. And for the first year, I always say to my therapist, I deprived myself and I was so hard on myself that giving him the things that I thought he needed as a pretty boy didn't allow the relationship to grow because our relationship began in a very wrong way because I wanted to impress him. Mm-hmm. Because I didn't feel like a good enough Cassie boy, and so in giving city, him things mm-hmm. <clears throat> was bad, and it messed up the trajectory of our relationship. It didn't really become a relationship in the beginning, and it was a typical kind of because he's out there and seen out there as a pretty boy. I was then seen as the guy that finances that whole of that. Okay, so is, is there an expectation with somewhat, the pretty boy dynamic? And again, the pretty boy—it's it's a bit tricky one because. There are a lot of social politics in it. Mm-hmm. And there are people who then finance that. And it then becomes a transactional um, contract, not a relationship. I see. Right? So with that, from my experience, to where we are now, my pretty boy is still my pretty boy. I don't need to do anything. We live together. We've got two properties. Nice. And he's <clears throat> even in my estate. Wow. Right? Because of the trust and how the relationship has grown to be what it is now. Mm. I've had had some details. Um, <laughs> how are they? The honesty. The little how boy, are the wrong terms? I suppose the little boy in me wanted the excitement and thinking that because I, I think now I've kind of arrived, I could test it out and try it mm-hmm. out. That's when, this is my social construct, yes. the pretty boys and the champagne boys. Yeah. That at the end of the day, you introduce yourself as a blesser, you introduce yourself as a financial um, contributor, mm-hmm. then the nature and the dynamic of that relationship is going to be about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But there's no love in there. But Shem, I had my first share. 
and I knew where home is. And, <laughs> and home why. knew that you knew that home was. Oh no, he was very chilled. He said, yeah. "I know you are in probably going through midlife crisis, and mm. I admit this year I probably went through a hectic midlife crisis. Yes, but also realizing that I'm a fan of but so is about that." end up doing things that unfortunately a lot of us and again some of these construct top guys um you have to prove that we don't I'm a bills whatever the clothing I give you want your pretty boy to be seen out there by others wow so you you've got to finance it so that I can, you can relate part. Oh, you can relate more. tell us more Where am I? Okay. Yeah, you must tell us also. So <laughs> you know, you know, so weird. I may, I may, I may laugh and joke and say pretty boy is my type, but I've been dating boys now for five years, but I'm still not sure what my type is because when I divorced a woman, the what felt right at the time was dating someone like this. From weave to weave, I'm being very honest. Mm. Yes. From weave to weave, from lipstick to lipstick, I'm used to going to clicks and buying cosmetics for my partner. Uh, so for me, I want us to still partner. be a daughter. Mm. Yeah. You want to be a daughter. Yes, but also the full mind daughter, where my partner must be more feminine, must be soft, there must be the woman in the relationship, and that's a different conversation for another, another day, day, right? Mm. So for me, the idea would to be must both be daughters, and we both can border, and we both can be Zulu men. No, something is wrong there, you know. And for me, it was a psychological thing where I think I was struggling to accept that I'm actually gay, and that being gay means I'm attracted to a man, whatever form or shape he comes in. If I love that, I love that. Yeah. Oh. So I struggled because I thought I need to date a, a man, but who still embodies a female. Because I'm still coming from, I was a husband, uh, and also for me, when we're walking in public, that's where I'm going. When you're walking in public, it mustn't look too odd. It must still be like, is it with the boy? Is it with the girl? I understand. Not as well as I weave, guys. When the girl and lapa, I promise you, the first two years after divorce, then I threw myself and you know, uh, to me or confirm into clubs, into shakers into liquid blue where you bump into different types of gay people yeah, every weekend fun. then you learn a good time man there are boys who actually look like me and i actually like them you know and but about fun yes but also remove the weave i still i still like those boys but right now i am 34 years old and i'm still struggling in relationships because there's still a part of me that's like can i really date another lindani Can there be two of us in a relationship and it works? I also date younger people because the idea of a man providing for me doesn't make sense. Wow. I date younger people because the moment a guy says to me, "Can I help you out or can I pay for this?" Please leave. I'm independent. You know, sure. there's that. So there's so many dynamics. Seconds. We need to unpack. Yeah. So 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 people say to me, "Oh my God, Lindani, why do you like dating these young boys?" And it's not a power thing, and I'm going there because I think people think it's a power yeah. thing. For me, it's yeah. not. It's a preference. It's a preference, yes, but also my independence won't let me be supported by another man. I, you just cannot. Don't the you, moment. Don't you also think it's the pressures of? I mean, earlier on you spoke about how 
they expected you at home to be there. It could be, it could be very psychological. But I mean, you need to see, um, you know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it, could, it could be psychological, Just you're right, it. you know. But for me, even when I say to you, if I meet you today and I say to you, can we go on a date? I already know I'm gonna pay for the bill. It's not negotiable. Oh, like, mm. why is your what card does it out? What does it do for you? I don't know. What does it do for you? I man, it just feels right, man. It feels I, right. Sorry that you can't take me. There's no way. No, you guys couldn't. You can't even surprise. You can't even surprise me. Listen to me. If you came to me now and you said to me on our first date, I bought you cologne. You must leave with that cologne. So forget, forget paying for the bill. Forget paying for the bill. Date me. Date me. Forget. Forget paying for the bill. The most basic thing you are carrying a gift. You saying to me. I bought you cologne. Yeah. I'm like, I bought when but I went What about languages of love? Yeah. What, is, what is this language of love to buy you? So I think yeah. that's why, and you're right, and that's why I date younger people because they are students, they're unemployed, they have no money. It's worked I, for I me so love far. To do project management. Yeah, yeah, build up. No, 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 my therapist is like, you, you like to be a father, clearly. No, no, for me. I mean, your son is your firstborn, but clearly. <laughs> you like let, let me take it somewhere that's not going to be so pleasant, but we do have to cover that. Yeah. Um, I hear these conversations happening quite often, right? And people, when they speak about straight, heterosexual people dating in this way, so a 35-year-old man saying, I like to date 22-year-olds, people say that's predatory. They say, why would somebody do that? He shouldn't be doing that. Why is he going for people who are too young to understand someone like him? Blah, blah, blah. So in this context, mm. would it not be the same thing? No. And I was about to <laughs> ask you, who decides the age group? Like, who, whose system decides that as a 34-year-old? The starting age for me dating should be this. Who, who decides that first? Legal mm-hmm. age, right? It's 18. <laughs> Thank you. Let's oh, honey, age. don't go there. Wait, okay. legal age is 18. Okay, continue. Mm-hmm. Go FYI, deeper. just in case everybody go on deeper. Twitter is, yes. just, uh-huh. you know, um, legal age is 18. Mm-hmm. And I think um, as we as adults, we also understand that there's a certain level of maturity that comes with, not necessarily age, but comes with the experience of life. And that is why when you get to a certain age, there's certain things or certain people that you can't date or you feel like you don't want to date because, I mean, I'm, I can't, we can't connect, you know. But, I mean, transactional relationships, predatory, I think at 21 it's a choice. You choose. date an older man. When I was 21, I, I, I chose not to date an older person. Mm-hmm. Not that there wasn't... There wasn't but it's so weird that you say that... Does that age that have the capacity to really make a good decision? I did. I'm going to... But it's so weird what that you say that... Mm-hmm. For me. Yes. I as also as just as think as I like being independent. Why is it a decision to date people sure. your age? It might be anything less than Not 24. No, for me, psychologically, you start becoming a person at 25. Yes. So I'm like, I'm thinking, Pindani, anything less than that, it's worth for me. I get you. But for me, no, 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 I, no, no. And I'm happy that we're having the conversation because yeah. my therapist asks me, she says, do you take your relationship seriously in the first place? Mm-hmm. Am I dating for leisure? Am I like, let me just have a, a cute boy next to me? Because she feels I'm sitting there. She feels I'm sitting there where I can have a 21 year old boyfriend who comes on the weekend, but on Monday, please leave. You know? So, the, 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 so, so what he's saying that I met someone and we've been there for six years is not really my reality. I've never dated anybody for longer than a year. Is it out of first choice or you have still looking? 
No, I just feel like I get bored easily. Firstly, secondly, after two months, like it's okay, you can go. Like next, you know, next people are always going. Like, yes, but there is one person to... that stayed. You know, remember him, right? Yeah. There is one person who stayed because that guy just refused to break up with me. Like I'll be like, I'm done. He's like, okay, cool. <laughs> and then I'm not. And then he'll be like, okay, cool. I'm gonna give you a weekend to cool off. So you have most like attacks than real deal. Yeah. Yes, and also for me, I love it. I love I think because I'm divorced, there's a part of it that says, you know, I'll tell you. You see, Manji, guys, I promise you this this will end up becoming divorced. I'm going there. Because I'm divorced. Because I'm divorced, man. I love your controversy. You actually said in the beginning, it gave us a disclaimer. Yeah. No, 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 I'm very controversial. And my friends are like, we don't get you. And I say to them, because I I was married at 20. At 25, I was walking down the aisle, by the way. Oh, Lord. At 29, I was getting divorced. Oh. There's a part of me that feels sure, like, man. I actually have lived. In the delay. <laughs> so, Manji, whatever I'm doing, Manji, Cecilia Pilangena, Cecilia Dalangena. Are you in doubt, man? This is not serious. Hold up. Don't, I, make I, this, I, don't take this too formal. I think you guys talking about you know um, relationships and champagne boys and and and, and, and the complexity of uh, the queer community as well is quite huge. And we spoke about this earlier. And now when I think about my dating experience, it's also kind of crazy yeah. that, it, and it also confirms how these. I hope I'm not problematic. Champagne boys or soft boys or whatever come about, right? I've had so many young men trying to come to me to say Sephona, you know? And I said it earlier, it's so awkward for me if I'm meeting up with you and you're like, hey, please bring me a pack of cigarettes or hey, please bring me this. It's awkward. I sent an e-wallet this morning to some point, not even kissing. So we breakfast and that's okay. Listen, listen, it's so complex. It's so complex and also what I've also realized, and something that is very important, especially in the trans community, is that there's men who are targeting trans women and they're willing to give up their bodies for trans women to be able to fund their lives. So the same as gay men, to be able to fund their lives. I mean, I know tons of men that have been in my friends' DMs. Like, for instance, I have trans friends. So when a man is in my DM, straight men, when a man is in my DM, I screenshot and send it to my group of friends and say, do you guys know yeah. this guy? Just make sure you're not a victim. 98% of the time, they're like, but he was in my DM last week. Oh, yes. he was in my DM two months ago. Yes. He was in my DM. So there's also that, that people are being, and especially the queer community in general is being targeted in terms of, we are rich, we have money. I don't have, I don't have coin. You might be shocked, and I don't have coin. <laughs> but... There's, you know, a huge target towards the queer community, and I'm gonna generalize it in terms of people in the queer communities can provide. Mm. They can give us money. Yeah. They have so money. And even criminals. Yeah. Um, I mean, there was a voice note circulating that there's a place in Melville where people go, and that's where we should go because those queer people have money. And Crazy. MSM, men's dealing with men. Yeah, yes. MSM. So it's a transactional thing. Yeah. Right. But I do want to emphasize this, that despite um, our liberal way of looking at things, there are traditional 
queer same-sex relationships that are working. Um, and then there's a show now that's held about celebrating celebrities. But there are a lot of queer people who are in happily good, romantic, healthy, healthy relationships. Yeah. It's just that some of us, we don't want to make it grow because there's this thing again in the queer community, so there's born. Once, once, yeah, once, yeah. Or yeah. the issue that yeah. ah, I know Lindani's past, I know Lindani's history, and I personally have had to, if I was weak, what could have been good would have ended today. Because my so called pretty boy, cute boy, is a known person. <laughs> right. So eventually, I had to sit stomach it and understand that this person this is how I experience him and at the end of the day it is the opposite of what people experience him to be but because of where he was I met him when I was 23 he was at that time at the peak of his life when he was having fun and I myself at that time was living life differently but now we are solid so there's this hope we've seen people as investors and many others who are in good relationships. Mm. But we can't run away from the fact that our relationships have been overly sexualized. Yeah. That people see us from a more sexual, desirable perspective. Mm. Right. So I don't want us to leave here thinking that we are all about casual relationships. I admire people like Melinda um, is being honest. But ideally, there's a space for these traditional things. But it takes a lot of work yeah, to make, to make work. something that is non-normative mm. and normal reality in our families. There's still struggles. Some family members uh, with my partner at home, there's still struggles at work. People were like, I've, had, I've lost jobs and gigs because I'm queer and the show needs a psychologist that happens to be heterosexual who's married. Yeah, no, no, no. Losing jobs, we it's normal. Ah, it's very normal. normal for us. Wow. We have been cancelled from church. Cancelled very in normal. many different spaces. So We've, it's very normal. Our our politics and identity is always problematized. But I do want to emphasize to people that they are healthy queer relationships that are working, and we still want to cultivate. And also, please add the fact that healthy black gay relationships. Oh, yes. I, don't, I don't know why we think. The white people get it right, and we and we can't. I yeah. mean, even the idea of being of, of surrogacy, adopting kids—it's like it's a white construct. Yeah. But we we are working with my partner on what would work for us, either surrogacy or. But again, in my case, I rather opt for surrogacy because I still want that uh, for myself. Not because I subscribe to heteronormativity. Mm. I would love to have my own child. If I can have spends that can be infused somewhere, why not? Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Woo, this has been a big conversation. I feel like we need a part one, two, three, four, and five. Yeah. Because there's so many things to cover and right now we're just rushing on the surface, you know, because that's all we can do in an hour, right? And I guess this conversation is just to get people to start thinking different about what they've always known 
and to have the courage to ask questions because I'm asking them questions. Mm. I really don't know. I am not a queer person. I don't have that experience. So I have to ask so I can understand, you know. And when you ask, you get people like Dani sharing their stories. People like Dumi sharing their stories. People like Anene sharing their stories. And then you realize that actually we're all just people. Right? At the end of the day, the queer community is a community of people. Yeah. Right? It's not about the gender or the sex. It is people. And if you can understand that it's just another human being, you can approach them with empathy, you know, uh, with respect, with kindness, with love. And I'm hoping that this podcast has helped you do that today. Before we end off, I'm going to ask each one of our panelists to leave you with a message. You can decide it. Who the message is for, what the message is about. You can decide. Can I start? I'll guess with the message, please. Because you're in streaming. <laughs> so, my closing message is, from my journey, allow the confusion. Mm. Allow the confusion, sit in it until it makes sense. Yes. If I could speak to my younger self, I'll say to the younger Lindani, allow the confusion of, am I straight, am I bi, am I gay, am I into boys and girls? Allow the confusion. Trust me, I'm a better person from the confusion. With no extra voices trying to say, but you should be this. Allow the confusion. Because there's somebody watching now who is confused. Yeah. You know? Uh, am I on this side? Am I bi? Am I straight? Am I this? How did I end up being with the woman if I actually feel these feelings? Allow the confusion. And also in allowing the confusion, don't make drastic decisions. Allow the confusion. That's your brand. Yeah. I love it. Actually, she should print t-shirts. Yeah, I love Actually, let's print t-shirts. <laughs> Next collection. Allow the confusion. Wow. <laughs> um, what's what your message? Um, I think I'm at a level where um, I'm trying to um, show trans women that it is possible to be and to do whatever you want and be able to permit spaces that have been closed for you. Uh, it's been evident with you know the work that I've, I do, the brands that I work with. And that maybe, you know, I'm fortunate enough to have been educated, but it comes from a place of having the gut. And I think, have the guts to build your own stage. Mm-hmm. Have the guts to do what you have to do. Nice. And you're worthy, you're deserving, and you need, your voice is <clears throat> needed. Whether you speak or you show, your voice is needed. Love it. And then? For me, it's simple. Just be congruent. <clears throat> if you are congruent to yourself, everything else falls into place. The minute you are incongruent, <coughs> sorry, um, you deprive yourself the opportunity to be and to rise to your ultimate level of self. So I would really encourage, if you are in a journey, either of confusion, of exploration, of awareness, always be mindful of being congruent to yourself. I mean, what can I say after those amazing closing statements, right? Guys, this was amazing. I'm sure if you're sitting at home, you're, you're wishing this was an ending because I know I am. Like, I wish we could be speaking for another five hours because it's that amazing. Thank you so much for gracing my podcast with your presence and your knowledge and your experiences. I really value you. And I'm hoping that you'll come back again because we really do need to, to have bigger conversations about this. And guys, if you're watching at home, don't forget to like, share, subscribe. Do all the right things that get people to, to, to watch our show, to engage, and to be part of the Label Line community. And until next time, don't forget, the easiest way to eat an elephant is one bite at a time. Come let me teach you a lesson. Come let me teach you a lesson.
Label lying with the podcast. Teach you listen, cause I got class. Label lying with the impact. You be lying, that's a real fact. Come let me teach you with us. Yeah.